In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We've got some massive news coming in from the podcast. We've got an IR um, designation appeared on the show. Yeah, unfortunately, breaking news, breaking news. Um, the Paul Rodden podcast has to announce that one of our players is going on season ending IR. Yeah, he's uh, hurt his ankle while playing what he dubs fat man football. So um, Paul Brown is uh, currently on IR. He's using the rice method, I believe. <laughs> Rest, ice, compression and elevate. So good to see that he was able to remember something. All of our uh, northern Ohio people remember that when we were growing up, they used to teach us the Great Lakes by the phrase homes. Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior. So good to know that Paul's resting his ankle using the rice method. Even though for a second, I think he actually had rice in that bag. Yeah, he did. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just sat there eating rice, wondering why he's not getting better. <laughs> it was funny. Paul hobbling to get his post. So we miss you, Paul. Hopefully you get the ice and rest and relaxation here and jump back. But, you know, Jack, I thought today would be a decent day. You know, I, I don't know if you've check the Twitter machine or not, but post Odell Beckham, it seems the uh, Browns may have a little bit of extra money to spend. Uh, so why don't we get everybody caught up on the legend that is Andrew Barry and what he's done the last couple of days? Well, Andrew Barry's a legend until we, we start balancing the book and making tough decisions, which, Hey, that's for this off season, but we already got rid of one LSU receiver. Yeah. Why well, he's dishing out the money, everyone loves him and talks how uh, phenomenal he is. So let's uh, stick with that trend. The first move that we saw uh, was White Teller getting paid. So White Teller got a, a nice big deal at, I want to say, 56.8 million. Yep, here it is. 56.8 million, which averages out at 14.2 uh, million a year. Obviously, he was a free agent going into this summer. So into this off season, which would have meant he you could have moved on, could have got a lot more money. It's something I think he's touched on of saying, "Hey, I was willing to just get paid now and know it's done." Because who knows? He he could easy tear his a leg in, in the rest of the season. Listen, and we saw him go superfly Jimmy Snooker going full on extension to blow a hole up. And so when you play with that much tenacity, you can always get hurt. We obviously don't wish for that, but yeah, for sure. So, um, no, he's cashing in. He's got good money. And uh, people know I bang the drum for PFF. PFF Brad did a piece that came out like two days before this, um, talking about the 50 best upcoming free agents. He had Wyatt Teller in the top 10. Um, but he predicted 57 um, million over four. So he is 0.2 million off on his prediction. So absolute phenomenal uh, work there by point, point two million though. I mean, you're talking about $200,000, Jack. That's pretty shitty. <laughs> I'll take that 200. Don't worry. We'll put it in a, uh, the Paul Brown recovery fund. Um, but no, it, it's really a good deal. Um, a, this, this deal reminds me very much of the Hooper deal. I know 
we're not massive fans of what's turned out with Hooper, but we saw Hooper get paid and it was right at the top of the market. And then within the space of a few months, it looks like a cheap, much cheaper deal on paper because you start seeing the big guns come in and get money, which was Kittle, less so on Kelsey because of the weird-ass structure with it. We're going to see exactly that. The reason why it was so important to get this deal done is you have got a guy called Quinton Nelson who is going to get an absolute eye-watering amount of money for a guard. But we beat that. If you sit there and you do this deal in the off-season... Hey, yeah, notch that up probably by two million a year. For those for those at home, Quentin Nelson is the guard for the Indianapolis Colts. He was, I believe, the number sixth pick in the draft out of Notre Dame. He is kind of what you'll call the benchmark for the guard position. Anytime the Colts play, the announcers will slobber over themselves, drool over themselves at the tenacity that Quentin Nelson plays at. I I mean, if you look at how Wyatt Teller plays and you look how Quentin Nelson plays. There's a lot of similarities to their game. Yeah, w- without a doubt. Um, Quentin Nelson's probably, in my time watching the draft, the only prospect I've seen that's going in the first round and said, hey, that guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Lots of people get excited about different positions like quarterback, etc. but you, you never know. Whereas, yeah, he, he's going to the Hall of Fame, and I felt confident in saying that pre his draft. But I still didn't want to draft him because I'm not picking a guard that high. Um but it, it's it's a good investment there. Um, and where that did for the Browns, we'll take it back a couple of days. They had everyone else. You've got Wills, who's on his rookie deal, so still got some more time. You had Teller, who was out of contract this year. And the other three guys all had 2022 as the final year on their deal. So it was about making sure we've got something because you can't replace four starting out linemen in the space of two years. It's just not feasibly possible um, with other spots we need to add in other places. Yeah, that type of turnover, especially when you talk about continuity and the pillar of the Browns offense is you know using the run to set up the pass in some cases, or in some cases, when you have teams that are vulnerable to the pass, lighting them up to start with the pass. And then when you get a lead, just being able to wear them down religiously with that running game and having the maulers inside. And let's, let's also not forget the NFL has evolved from an outside only pass rush league to an inside pass rush league. I mean, anybody who knows the legend and you know, the myth that is Tom Brady, the one thing he's vulnerable is pressure up the middle. So the guard position kind of used to be, in terms of importance, not something that was too high up. You wanted to have one good one on one side. That was maybe your power run side, but now hit the likes of Aaron Donald and Jeffrey Simmons. And, you know, these maulers in the middle, you gotta be stout right up the middle. So the Browns made themselves, you know, a team going forward. That's going to give Baker that clean pocket up the middle. And then you got to deal with the the tackle position separately. Yeah. And if, if we look at Nick Chubb's entire career, Hey, He's had a really good interior. There was that one issue with Dorsey on the right guard um, for one year, but if we look at the overall, that left and centre guard, phenomenal. Um, he, he's had that, and if, if you're going to invest in a run game, I wouldn't, but you invest in the O-line. The, investing in the O-line is more important than investing in the running back if you want a good um, run game, and that's exactly what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to Teller's credit, I remember we were in Cincinnati you know, week 17, when James Campen, the offensive line coach, benched Teller. 
He benched him in the league. And Paul and I sat there and Teller was not happy. And, you know, I didn't remember who they put in somebody that obviously wasn't as good, but credit to him for refocusing, you know, obviously Bill Callahan comes in and was able to unlock potential with him because he has been phenomenal. I mean, in terms of everything he's doing, you can't ask for much more. So, you know, he's definitely the type of team. I mean, I thought it was funny that he went and celebrated his contract got by going playing Dungeons and Dragons with Miles Garrett and Johnny Stanton. So, you know, it just shows that this is a guy who just gets it. He, you know, he appreciates Cleveland and the fans and their love for the offensive linemen. And, and as well, you talk about um, the quote when Barry signed him. He, Teller did go into that offseason when um, Callahan came in and he was battling for a starting job. That was legit. It was they the biggest legit, question on the line. Forbes versus Teller. Lots of people like, oh, no, no, no. I knew it was Teller. No, no, no one no, did. No, it was the and biggest not question. Not even Andrew Barry did. Not even Callahan. Yeah. If you remember right, anybody that followed the Browns, they had, what, five guards that were all competing for that one spot. They had more guards than they could fit in the locker room. So, but in saying that, the Browns have had a little bit of success with guards. And in moving from one side of the guard position to the other side of the guard position, I'll start off before we get into that news by reading a quote. And a lot of times, Jack, you know, we talk about people in front offices and they sometimes don't exactly always endorse or give singing praise to their players. You know, a lot of times, yes, he's a player and we really like him and all that other stuff. Let me, let me, uh, let me give you a little bit of a quote here from Brown's general, our executive vice president of football operations and general manager. After last season, we decided that one of our major football priorities would be to make Joel Batonio a Brown for the rest of his career. Joel is one of our most decorated players and is the ideal personification of our tough, smart, accountable mantra. We value Joel's high-level performance, leadership, consistency, and durability. We are all excited about this extension and hopeful that at the end of his career, we will be all looking forward to celebrating Joel's gold jacket fitting in Canton. That, sir, is an endorsement. (laughs) When you literally state, we look forward to fitting you with your Hall of Fame jacket. And guess what? He's not wrong. He will also be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. Um, This was a really surprising one to get it done straight on the back. But it's very clever as well because the same way we said, hey, they need to pay Teller to ahead of Nelson. If you're going to pay Betonio, you have to get it done before Nelson. And to get it done at the same time, I think they were gr- agreeing all three deal, uh, all three parties. So the two d- agents, because um, I don't think they share an agent, but I don't know, with um, Barry and the team at the same time. Because if we look at it, it's basically, uh, we haven't got the final structure, but it's basically the same deal. Because Betonio had one extra year, he's got the 10 million there so he his works out at um what is it 14.25 oh no 14.5 rather than 14.2 a year when you um put in the 10 million and they they didn't penalize him for that and they easily could have and have him one cheap year left and brought that number down but they um They've struck a very, very fair deal. Um, there's going to be no hostility between the pair, which is important because the last thing you want to do is you sign one and then you give the extra, the other guy an extra two million and then suddenly you're there. The coaching staff are having to deal with the outpouring of that and 
yeah, they're humans, it's two million. If you suddenly say to someone you're two million more valuable than them, even though they're both guards and they're right up there on top of the league, it's just not a place you want to be. So phenomenal deal to get it done. We'll speak about the consequences of the rest of the line, but in in terms of um, where they're at, that is a uh, a formidable pairing. They're each two-year deals, so the next two years, they're guaranteed to be on the roster. After that, they are easily walk away from deals, certainly in Teller's case, and I expect it to be exactly the same for Joel Batonio. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you also, you're rewarding the guys who earned it. And, you know, coming off of the week with Odell Beckham and the money, and listen, we all know Odell saw the writing on the wall. They knew he was going to get cut next year. So the only way he was going to be able to hit free agency, hit the ground running, was to get out of here because obviously it wasn't that. So the Browns were able to take that whole situation. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the inside the NFL with Baker in his pregame spot. He said, I need all, I need everything you got today. I need everything you got. So the Browns, and this shows good leadership, good culture, and good coaching that they said, listen, here's a distraction. We're going to turn this into a positive. We're going to get the win. And then on the back end, we're going to show everybody in that locker room what Cleveland Browns football is all about. Because I will tell you, nationally, you've seen the memes of Wyatt Teller going full on vertical, all, all limbs off the ground to open that hole for Nick Chubb. And that's something that they take pride in. That's something that they earn. And that's something when you look across the league, you you recognize that is one tough there's a tough, smart, and accountable football team, and you pay the guys that, that meet that. And you can't you can't argue anything about it. I mean, I don't know how the, the Betonio deal is going to stack up against like the Joe Tooney deal or whatever it is. But in terms of guards, I mean, you got two of the best. Now keep them around. Yeah, there's, there's one part of me that has some mild concern. And it is mild, don't get me wrong. This deal likely means the end of Conklin. We know it meant the end of Tretter. Um, they've, sure. they've each got next season. So it's, it's not retires. saying they're not going to be here next season. Both could be here next season. We're talking the year after that, even though that there is a chance that um, Tretter goes, as you said, after this season. But the, the thing that I've always been a believer in, the tackles are more important than the interior. I know people argue slightly different with Baker, but tackle play is so, so important um, with where the league's at. Um, and I, if the view is, hey, we need to find a new centre, and I think Nick Harris is going to be fine. You've still got Wills. That fills the rest of the line, and then you need a right tackle. Hey, we can go draft someone in, say, the second round next year, um, not this year, the year after. Um, and that would be relying on them straight to get in there and start, which is risky but if you picked up a cheap vet you're sort of chris hubbard style stuff you can do that for one year but i just fear that we end up having the elite interior and a serviceable exterior on the line and that isn't as efficient as you would like it to be now based on your calculations if the betonio one is next year and then two and Jedrick Wills is in year two of a rookie deal. Won't the guard contracts be basically non-guaranteed outside of when the money for Wills would kick in, right? Yeah. So if you've got these two lined up and, you know, what 
Jack, what is that famous word that Andrew Barry always uses when it comes to contracts? Sequencing. Sequencing. So Treader, I think, I mean, I just, based on what I think, I think he's just going to retire with his injuries, the NFLPA, that kind of stuff. I just think that you're probably going to maybe see another year. I, I don't know. I, I, this may be his last year, but you've now sequenced your contracts where the two guards will be coming off their money right as your left tackle comes into his money based on the five years. So you look at how he sequenced these deals and you're just like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense. Yeah, I just think you, you need to probably, because you're moving from a, a role where you could have four guys, three, four guys on vet deals. And I mean, large vet deals. I don't mean Chris Hubbard's is not a deal I consider to be a, a when I'm talking about real vet deals. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the big bucks, even though he's, he's a decent whack. Um, you need to probably bring that down to about two large vet deals on the O-line um, just when you get into the stage of Pam Baker. So it's, there's no harm. You don't need to move Tretter or uh, Conklin on next year. You could have that season. But you you get into a point where you probably need to find someone in the draft. And who knows? It, they've got Hudson. They've got Hans. They might go and grab someone in the third round. People have got, got absolute mental if the Browns take a tackle in the third round. Um, but it's very, very plausible. Which would they, make no sense because the Browns could very well take a tackle in the third round and make them into a starter, given you how you have these veterans in the right spots. A young guy comes in and... Listen, I, I said at the beginning of the season, I'd be terrified if James Hudson takes snaps. That's for this year. That's I, I fully expect James Hudson to evolve as a third rounder. He was a third rounder, evolve into a starting NFL tackle. I, I hope he's our right tackle of the future. I really do, because that just shows that you're breeding. I mean, hence why every time you turn on the Steelers game, you see an outside linebacker that's as good as the guy that he replaced. I mean, you know, uh, Alex Highsmith comes in and just fills the role of Bud Dupree better than Bud Dupree did. It's because you've drafted, and I believe he was a third-round pick. You draft and develop these guys underneath. I fully would expect us to take a guard at some point, you know, next year, where all of a sudden now you have another guard coming in. And I know Michael Dunn is another guy that they like, but if I'm not mistaken, I think from an age standpoint, I think he's, what, like 20, 27, 28? So, He's aging up there a little bit, but yeah, I would fully expect him with those guardrails, bring in a nice young guard, you know, mold him in. If Drew Forbes isn't going to make it, it is what it is. And it's one of them that if you end up in a conversation where you, you get someone that's fantastic, but you make a decision on Batonio and Teller. It's, it's one where you can sit there in a couple of years time when their, their deals are in the option years and so, someone comes in and absolutely smacks it out. Say you draft some doing the fifth round and he turns out to be the next white teller and you're sat there going, well, Hey, why are we going to pay 14 million to white teller when we've got the next white teller on a million? So it, they'll keep adding talent. And that's, that's where the value of Callahan's going to be getting one of the highest pay, one of the top three highest paid O-lines in the NFL to be a top three O-line isn't a value add taking a middle of the range paid O-line and making it a, a top third, top quarter of the league, top eight, that is what you call a real value add. So I think there's going to be even more from James, um, from Callahan. 
and that's going to come in this developing talent. And Hudson should be a perfect example, but it might not be. It might be a complete bust, but uh, we'll see. There you go. There's a breakdown on the guards and the contracts. Now, to wrap it up, Jack, we got a game this week. A few days away. We're heading out to Lambeau playing Bill Belichick. Kevin Stefanski came out this week, said he's never met Bill Belichick. So never coached against him, never met him. So it's time to use these guards, right? We paid them all the money. Well, we are going up against the Patriots who, if I'm not mistaken, Jack, they're right in that playoff hunt with us. And this is a team that's, you know, getting settled in with their rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, um, you know, for all you fantasy guys out there, you know, um, Harris, uh, why can't I not think of his first name? Damian Harris um, has proven to be a very serviceable NFL back coming out of Alabama. He's As, out. He's out, out, out. I saw um, he had a, he's questionable, right? Is he questionable? He had a, the head thing, right? Yeah, I think it's him and someone else unlikely to play. Possible. Well, maybe what Brandon Bolden would be their backup because James White's on IR. So, but either way, Stevenson's the other one. Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. yeah. Well, either way, if I'm not mistaken, you know, I know the legend that is Dante Skarnecki is no longer there, but the Patriots have put together a pretty serviceable offensive line for Mac Jones. You know, Isaiah Wynn, first round pick, their left tackle, um, their right tackle, Michael Unwenu. You know, he's one of the top rated right tackles in the league. He was Shaq- the second best tackle, according to PFF last season behind Tristan Wirfs. He was yep. better than, and there was like, Six dudes taken in the first round, and he was well, like a sixth-round pick. Well, the odd thing is, is, if I'm not mistaken, I think he even started the season at left guard, and then they yeah, moved him out to right tackle. Yeah, so Shaq Mason coming off his one of his best games in the career over there at right guard. So the Browns are going to have their te- their you know their their work cut out for them because our offensive or our defensive line, you know, between Clowney and Garrett have been effective, but much to you know Malik McDowell and the Malik Jackson. They've just been up and down. You know, we haven't gotten consistent play really out of that D tackle position. You know, Malik McDowell obviously came in and had a very good preseason, earned himself a starting role, but he's regressed a little bit in terms of competing against NFL caliber players. And we know that the AFC North this year has a good schedule in terms of competition. And these guys are going to have to make their way because just remember if it's on film, Bill Belichick is going to see it and he's going to scheme around it. So I would fully expect tight ends, running backs, fullbacks, the kitchen sink to be making sure that Miles Garrett does not wreck their game plan. We saw last week what happened when Carolina's edge rusher, Brian Burns, got around the edge and sacked Mac Jones. My guess is they're not going to let Miles Garrett do that. And on the offensive side of the ball, they're going to take away the run game. They are. They're going to say, listen, Nick Chubb is not going to beat us. So this plays like. Yeah, that's true because he has the COVID. He would need, what, two COVID negative tests to play. So we won't know until Saturday. Saturday, okay, because he won't be tested again until tomorrow because it would be three days. Okay, so either way, they're not going to let the run game beat him. So I'm hopeful Chubb can get back for us. I know Dimitri Felton and also John Kelly are also in that COVID protocol. So uh, Dearness Johnson, enjoy living in the bubble for a little while. But we saw what happened whenever the Broncos maybe doubted the Browns run game. It, that's what New England's going to do. They're going to take away what you do best, and they're going to make you beat with the other ones. So whether it's you know Jarvis Landry in the slot, whether it's you know Donovan Peoples-Jones, Hollywood Higgins, Schwartz, whatever it is, these guys are going to have to make an impact early in the game. 
no, and hey, it's it, it's an accident that we pass more and become more of a, an efficient offense. But uh, hey, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, because in terms of you know familiar faces on that Patriots defense, obviously people are familiar with Matthew Judon. You know, this is a guy that's been there for a while. Uh, Dante Hightower, he's been kind of around the league and all that good stuff, but he's back New England um, playing average middle of the pack, nothing crazy out of him. They got that second year player, that Kyle Duggar, the safety out of Lenore Ryan. Um, he was their second round pick. He's still struggling to find his own. Um, and obviously their top cornerback is JC Jackson. Um, he was a guy who if I'm not mistaken, has more interceptions than anybody in the league since like 2019 or something. So this is a guy that knows how to find ball, get ball, but outside of that, not a lot of household names on that, uh, on that Patriots defense, you know, Jawan Bentley's their other linebacker, Devin Godchow, uh, there with Lawrence guy in the middle, Demetric wise on the edge. I mean, these are just guys that follow the bill Belichick mantra, do your job. And that's what they do. So it's going to be a tough game. I don't, I, I actually was a lot more confident going into the Bengals game than I am the Patriots game, just because I know that the Patriots, if you're going to win, you're going to win ugly. Now to, to say that the Patriots have benefited from an easy schedule might be a little bit of an understatement. This is a team that, you know, has kind of taken advantage of the likes of the Carolina Panthers or the New York Jets or two of their wins, the Texans. I mean, four of four of their wins are against the Giants, the Jets, and the Texans. So, or I'm sorry, yeah, you have the Jets twice, the Texans, um, and then the Carolina. So there's your four wins where you know they're just they were able to take advantage of bad teams. But the good teams that they played, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Cowboys, they lost to. So. Let's see. I mean, Baker went out and what was he the highest graded passer for all 23 of his dropbacks last week. So, I mean, a lot of people didn't want to say it with Odell gone. Baker's a new, a new man, but let's see. Let's see. Uh, he's he's going to go out and play for that money. So uh, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens. It's going to be a really, really good test. JC Jackson scares me in the secondary, um, but as long as we're not throwing at him, it should be okay. Here's my question. You're going to go back to back weeks and nailing Paul's prediction. Mm, let, let me, let me get the crystal ball out. I'm just rub the crystal ball. Mm, Paul. 2021 Browns. 20 to 21 Browns. Ah, I'm noting consistency from Mr. Brown. <laughs> so I, I think this one uh, right now, the betting market, I believe has this one as new England, a slight, one and a half point favorites and a 45 point spread. Oh, wow. So they have it right there at that kind of 24, 22, 24, 22 range, 23, 22. Okay. I don't think the Patriots score that much. I'm going to take this Browns 23 Patriots 17 Browns, 23 Patriots, 17. I think this is going to be one of those games where, you know, we do our best to kind of, match our strength versus their strength. I think we make a couple plays. I think the defense, as much as I would love them to get another defensive touchdown this week, I think they just hold Mac Jones, nothing over the top. I think the secondary is going to build on the momentum that they had from last week. I think if it's 23-17, if, the Brown, if Chubb does not play, I'm going with 27-17 if Chubb does play. So Chubb's left a full-point swing? He is. 
and that's a field goal and a touchdown. That's a, that's where I did. I said, all right, if Chubb's in the game, one of our red zone trips is going to be a field goal. And if Chubb's in the game, then at that red zone punch is going to be a touchdown. Fair. So I, I'm going to be slightly more bold. I'm going to go with Browns 27, Pats 23. Take the over if you're in the Duffin world. So, yeah. But yeah, it's been a good week. You know, obviously, I don't know, Jack, if you saw, but it looks like the Packers have uh, offered Odell Beckham a large whopping vet minimum deal. Yeah, sexy stuff. So uh, there's talks. Um, Seattle. Conte Adams has been chatting to him. It seems positive from that angle. Um, hey, it's looking like it's, it, well, Packers have got no cap space, so That's why they're not going to be able to do that. anything more than the vet min. Um, but it's one that, if you're OBJ, you're not worried about the money this year because, hey, you've already if he made. goes to another team and gets $3 million, what is $2 million? You just Where gave is... up $3 million. So add $3 million to whatever your contract. You didn't care about $3 million. Yeah. So it's much, much more important for OBJ to go and get in a team that's going to make him look good because if he looks good, if he gets, what, he's got half the games in the season, so... Let's say he gets 400 yards and 40 days for the rest of the season. Hey, he sat there demanding big bucks again. Yeah. I mean, listen, Green Bay makes sense. Seattle makes sense. The Saints make sense. The problem is they just don't have the quarterback. Then the other one is the wild card is New England, but obviously he would not play this week. Obviously, if he goes to the Packers, the Browns will be facing him on Christmas Day. So that is a story that will probably, I would guess, before the end of day on Thursday or Friday, I'd say by the end of the week, end of the day, Friday, we'll probably know where yeah, Odell's plan tomorrow. is tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Well, I think he's going to love... try to get there and get a couple snaps, kind of like Josh Gordon. The the two I'd love to see just from a <sighs> talent perspective would be Seattle and KC. And I know KC's not in the sweepstakes, but either of those two teams, just to see what would happen in those offenses would be a, uh, incredibly interesting. I think Seattle's easy run down the field and he'll throw you a moon ball. Go get it. Yeah. So especially now that Russ is coming back. So that's my guess. I think that's where he ends up. I think it makes the most sense. Um, go to the NFC, do that over there. So, all right, Jack, good catching up. Good talking about some guard play. Nothing sucks here in Cleveland rounds football than talking about guards. Um, if anything else, breaking happens between now and then where do you plan on watching the game uh, on Sunday? So I'm going to be at home watching the game Sunday. Nothing, nothing that glorious and exciting. If there's going to be another deal, just because obviously deals are everything raging on Ward is probably the only one I can see mid season. I think Baker and uh, Njoku wait until the end of the season. So um, if you're going to look at one to potentially happen, would say Denzel Ward is the one that intrigues me because he's the one as well that there was preseason talks, whereas there there was no preseason really solid discussions with either of the other two. Um, I tweeted out some interesting um, data, so I pinned that on my uh, timeline. So if you jump onto my Twitter, um, effectively what I've done is it shows you every player's um, length of their contract and it shows you whether the contract's unmovable whether it's tradable or whether it's cuttable um, in which different years. And it allows you to quickly see, hey, which rooms have got something getting built and which ones haven't. Um, but the Don't Browns forget, plug your verified Twitter account. People don't know where to find you. Where would they find you? Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F-I-N. Um, but yeah, it's something like five players 
on veteran deals that are signed up to the 2023 season for the Browns. So absolutely tiny. Um, where can people find you, Ian, with your uh, super hot, sexy takes? Oh, absolutely. At Ian19, I-A-I-N-19. Little bit of a breaking news update, so you'll figure out when we're recording this. Kim Jones Sports says, from Ian Rappaport and I am, indications are that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to take some time to decide on his next team and that the decision is still a few days away. So stay tuned. Meaning it seems like the contract offers that he was getting probably aren't what he thought it was. Thanks for saving the Browns $3 million. But yeah, it does seem like maybe Odell won't be on a team and we'll have to keep talking about him throughout the weekend. So there you go. So there's apparently some more stuff and what might be holding it up is um, he's still consulting. Um, I guess it's legals. Um, if we look at PFF Brad, um, there's lots of different reports on what he can and can't get in termination pay because he gave up the three million. But there's questions over can he get a bit more of something else or other? So um, and can he double dip so he'll earn the salary and then he would earn again rather than it offsetting. So um, it's one to keep an eye on. But uh, check out PFF Brad for more detailed goss as it goes along. By the way, Bill Belichick's quote on what Joe Burrow called our two freakazoids. Bill Belichick, as Mike Girardi tweeted out, Garrett is as good as they get and Clowney is what he is. Take everything (laughs) Bill Belichick says with a pinch of salt because he plays like absolute donkeys. If he came up against Deshaun Kaiser, he'd be talking about how he's a talent and he's not sure how he's going to do it. I take the Clowney is what he is. It's a little bit of a slap in the face. If I'm Clowney, I am what I am. Oh, oh okay. All right, Bill. First there overall pick. Yeah. On his what, 13, 14? So, yeah. Bill, put it up on the board right next to the Ted Lasso, I believe, sign. So, all right, buddy, let's get out of here. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled lives and let's hope Baker Mayfield is able to plant a Browns flag right in the middle of Lam- or, uh, Lambeau, Foxborough Stadium uh, in New England this weekend. So, that's all we have for today. Uh, we do appreciate everybody. Subscribe, rate, listen, do all the fun stuff. But for now, go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>